0: Want you go uh, if you have your Bibles to Matthew chapter twenty one? We have it up on the screen as well. Matthew chapter twenty one, verse six. If you didn't know, this is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday commemorates the beginning of Holy Week. It starts the Holy Week, and uh, it was when Jesus came into Jerusalem. Now, if you know the story of Jesus uh, very well, you know that coming to Jerusalem is a big deal. It is now where Jesus begins his final march to the cross. And we've learned in this series as Jesus our Savior, Jesus our healer, that Jesus' expressed purpose in coming to the earth was to seek and to save those who were lost. So Jesus came to save the lost. So this this week is important. Matthew chapter twenty one, verse six. It says the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt. Just pause here for a second. Life would get a lot easier if we just did what Jesus instructed us. Right, I'm like, we can just like amen, and go get some lunch right now if you want, because they they, they did as Jesus instructed them. It's just a a hack on living a really good life. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on, and a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? We could probably preach an entire series just on those three words and that question, who is this? I'm going to tell you, this is what we really need in our world right now is we need Jesus to come on the, on the scene in a way that it makes people ask, who is this? We need, we need the presence of God in our gatherings enough that people stop and say, what, what, what is this? Who is this? How is this happening? I'm worried that in some of our gatherings and some of our faith, that there is not enough oomph, not enough presence, not enough power to ever make anybody ask any question about who is this. But when Jesus came on the scene, they asked, who is this? Who is this? It's Palm Sunday. Jesus is marching into Jerusalem. Just so you know, this was not an accident. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a mishap. This was God's divine strategy. This was God's plan in rescuing all of humanity. So when Jesus got ready to go to Jerusalem, this is game time. This is the moment that Jesus was living for. The entire city was stirred We talked about Jesus as our Savior, we talked about Jesus as our healer, but this is what I want to finish this series with, Jesus as our warrior, warrior, somebody like, oh yeah, I like that, I like that, warrior, somebody like, warrior, really, I I, I looked up warrior, just, I like warrior stuff, like, oh man, I like, I like, I like picturing Jesus like a warrior, I don't, I, I know you got, maybe got pictures of Jesus, and that's all cool, I don't, I don't know if it's actually accurate, I don't know if he had really long brown hair and those big brown eyes, and carried sheep around all the time. You ever seen that picture? <laughs> that's not that's not how I want to picture Jesus. I just it's just me. Maybe that's that's how you like to picture. I like to, I like warrior Jesus. I like I like to picture him as a warrior. I, I was I was studying and I, I thought, "Man, I'm just going to look up the definition of warrior." You know, so I just typed in Google like the definition of warrior and I don't know what dictionary this was, but it said, "A brave or experienced soldier or fighter." I like that. Jesus, a brave or experienced soldier or fighter, a person engaged or experienced in warfare. I like that. And then it had like a secondary definition. And I don't know what dictionary this is, like I said, because it it says any of a number of standing poses in yoga in which the legs are held apart and the arms are stretched outwards. I'm not going to demonstrate that pose for you. Oh my, okay, I need to look up a different. I like the other definition. I don't know. I I'm just I'm, and if you do yoga, that's great. I did yoga once, I cried, I couldn't make it through it. It's not not for me. But but I, when I picture like warrior, I don't immediately think of yoga. Yoga and warrior are not like synonymous in my vocabulary. Now, if you like do that hot yoga stuff, you are somewhat of a warrior because that's like really intense and sounds like torture. But that's 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 for you. Jesus are experienced or brave, engaged in warfare. He's he's experienced in battle. I I, I like to think of him like that. Zephaniah. Man, when's the last time you read Zephaniah? (laughs) Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 15. It says, the Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Come on, Zephaniah. Zephaniah prophesied. This is an Old Testament prophet as he prophesies. Do you know who heaven's warrior is? It's Jesus. Zephaniah was prophesying about a warrior that would come and save and friends that is Jesus. He is God's warrior. He is heaven's warrior. And it says this, it says that he takes away our punishment. He turns away our enemies. He takes great delight in you. This is interesting. The reason that God can take great delight in you is because warrior Jesus died, spilt his blood, and covered my shortcomings, and covered my sin, and covered my failures. So when God looks at me, he doesn't see a failure. He sees through the lens of his precious son's blood, and he delights over me. He rejoices over me with singing. That's how God rejoices. He didn't rejoice over you because you're great. Some of you are like, well, I, mean, I think God probably takes delight in me. Might be, might be a good specimen for the. No, it's not nothing we've done. It's because of Jesus, our warrior, that now God can rejoice and delight over us. Exodus chapter 15, verse 2, it says, The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation, He is my God and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is His name. When you think about Jesus, I don't know if you've ever thought warrior, but I want to challenge you to start thinking of Him, not just as Savior, not just as healer, but as warrior. He came... On purpose, for a purpose, to destroy the works of the enemy and to conquer death, hell, and the grave. Jesus was doing all kinds of great things and miracles, but Jesus' purpose, the, the, the crosshairs of his vision was focused on the cross. It was focused on death. Jesus did not come to live. Jesus came to die. He came for the express purpose that he would lay down his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, our warrior. A couple things that Jesus did is he comes in to Jerusalem and the people are shouting Hosanna. Right before this, the Bible teaches us Luke chapter 9. It says he set his face. Now, I love this because this is like the preparation. He knows what's coming. He knows what's about to happen. And all of a sudden, there's a change in Jesus' demeanor. It says he set his face. Isaiah says he set his face like Flint. Another, Another translation says that he arranged or established his focus. His face was resolute. He had purpose in Luke chapter 9, 51, it says, At the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. He set his, I like to call it, I like to call it Jesus' game face. He's had his game face. My my son Jude he he uh, has started playing soccer when he was really really young, like three. And uh, I put him in a league that was like a couple years older than him because a little ambitious as a father. And and um, we have some PTSD from the first couple years because he would just be out there and he's just ah ah. I'm like kick the kick 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 the ball, son. This is this is this is my reputation on the line too. All right, like just just at least don't cry. Okay, and so you you know, we were wondering about maybe soccer wasn't for us, about pulling him out, and so we've kept at it. And he's got a great coach, and and uh, Coach a- Coach Patrick helps him. Coach Andrew, uh, he's over in Prosper, and he helps us. And so we just started doing some training, got better and better, and and uh, so he's, he's he's been doing better. And we we found out a couple weeks ago he was at his game, and and um, this kid's a big kid. Elbowed him right in right in the nose, and uh, so he just got, took the shot on the nose. Instant tears. He's crying. He runs to the sidelines, and I'm in PTSD. Like, oh, here we go again. He's crying again, and uh, and I go up and I'm like, Jude, you okay?" And he said, "He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like right. What did you say? <laughs> Do you want to come out?" And he says, "No." And something shifted on his face, and I've never felt more proud as a parent. And he runs back in, it's like the last seconds of the game, he scores, they were behind, he scored this tying goal, and I'm like, Man, that's interesting, next, next week, he's uh, playing a team, and he gets, he gets hurt, and uh, he gets hurt again, so he's out there, <laughs> he's crying as he's playing, and I'm like, oh boy, oh boy, and I'm like, Jude, do you want to come out, and he said, no, he goes back, he scores, he scores three goals, as he's crying, I'm like, you should be enjoying this. So me and his coach talked, and we're like, we got to figure it out. We just have to hurt him before the game. I mean, it's just, he gets out of the car now. I just trip, fall down. He's like, "Gang face comes off. You can see it shift. It's like something happens. It's almost frightening. I'm like, oh, okay. Go about your business, son. I picture Jesus just going about his business. He's feeding the 5,000. He's healing people. He's being kind. And all of a sudden, it's time. Game face comes on Jesus, and it says, and he set his gaze towards Jerusalem. He begins to move with purpose, with strategy. With, you can see in his interactions with people, in his conversations, everything changes because it's now time. This was God's strategy. It was God's strategy to save all of humanity but what's interesting is the reason that Jesus was about this strategy is because he was submitted to the plan of God for his life. He was submitted. He said the only thing I do is what I see my father doing. So Jesus lays down his life. Jesus wasn't just merely taking our place. He was setting out he was setting our pattern. And this is that pattern, is that, God, I'm here to do your business. I'm here on purpose, for a purpose. And it's not about my ambition, my ideas, my fame, my resources, my popularity. It's for you. The way Jesus laid it down is the same way we should lay it down, and we say, God, we surrender. Here's the crazy thing. God knows what you need more than you think you do. You know what you want. God knows what you need. If you, would, if you picked what you wanted, it would be wrong. You can think right now, like, oh, I know what I, know what I need to be happy. If I could have this and this and her and this. And... No, you pick it wrong. God knows exactly what you need. So we don't surrender out of discipline. We surrender out of trust that says, I don't know what's best for me, God. I'm going to trust your plan. I'm going to trust your way and what you're doing. He established a pattern. He set his face. The next thing you see him do is that he endured the cross. Jesus endured the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith for the joy. Can you just imagine this? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There is so much theology that's packed into this so, such a familiar verse, but he says this, for the joy set Set before him, he, endu- he endured the most painful death that you could imagine because of something that was on the other side. See, a, a warrior always sees the victory on the other side to give them fuel for the battle that's in their, in their way today. They always see what's up for the joy set before him. I'm in a... Uh, like a little challenge right now 40 days of fitness I've been doing 40 minutes uh, of exercise for 40 straight days until my 40th birthday and uh, and and so a bunch of people are doing it with me a bunch of guys guys are doing it and uh, and uh, I, I I love fitness that's like like my mental clarity space I love it I like doing a lot of different things and everyone's trying to Yo, do yoga and tried it okay Camp Gladiator, got it. You know, whatever you do, Uh, long distance running, no thank you. And uh, so I, I I started doing some CrossFit to do it. You know, and then you always can tell a CrossFitter uh, because they tell you they're one, like in the first three minutes you ever meet them. You know, and so I I started doing it. And um, and they they have like two different workouts that are kind of interesting to me, and one I hate, and one I love. One that I hate is it's some succession of exercises that you do in a certain amount of time and when you get the exercises done, you're done. So so you get them done fast, you're done. The other one's called an AMRAP, as many reps as possible. I hate it. Because your reward for getting through the first set of exercises is to do them again. And then they they say, see how many times you can do it. I I don't want to do it anymore. My reward for pain is more pain. My reward for getting through this is do it again? No, thank you. The other one I like, if I get through it, I'm done. I'll blaze through that because for the joy set before me, I will endure the workout. This, this is Jesus' posture and mindset. Because of what was on the other side, he said, I can endure this. I can endure shame. I can endure persecution. I can endure doubt. I can endure all of this that's coming at me and crucifixion and flogging and pain for the joy. What was the joy? You, you, me, we are his joy. We were the joy that was set before him. The Bible says sin separated us from God, but God's divine strategy was to send Jesus to bridge the gap between God and humanity. So we are Jesus's joy. We were the joy that was set before him. So he endured that cross because of you. Because of you and you and you. Us. We were his joy. His purpose was not determined by the price he had to pay, but by the joy that was on the other side. So powerful. He endured the cross. He endured the cross. He, see this in this same text, he sat down. He sat down. A warrior doesn't quit. Until the battle has been won. So it's interesting to me that Hebrews chapter 12 says that he, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned his shame, and he sat down. Why, why did he sit down? He sat down because it was over. He sat down because he'd finished what he set out to do. He sat down because he had accomplished what God put in his heart and on his life to accomplish. When he got it done, he sat down. People freaking out about our world and about the nation. I gotta be honest. Sometimes I got some concerns. I got some worries. I read the news too. Watch the news. Look at the news. It's, yeah, it's scary sometimes. Jesus is still. He's still sitting. In fact, I think some people think Jesus up in heaven. Like, oh wow, did I do enough? Did I do enough? Like, I conquered Satan once. I don't know if he's making a comeback. I know he's making a pair of shoes. I don't know. If he's. <laughs> Are we okay? Are we okay? And Jesus is like on the recliner of heaven being like, hey, guys, just so you know, I already put Satan somewhere. He's not on the shoes. He's under the shoes. I already did my work. I already did my job. He's not going to somehow resurrect and come back. Jesus is the victor. He's the king. He paid the price. The blood speaks a better word. The fight is fixed. He wins. Yeah. Jesus sat down. He sat down. He sat down because he won. He sat down because it was finished. I'm not saying that the enemy doesn't work in our world or have power or seek to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm just saying when Jesus accomplished his work, he established the greatest authority, which means that now he gives that authority to his believers. That means for me and for you that we can stand in the name. Of Jesus I'm no longer a servant I'm now an heir of Jesus Christ I'm his son I'm in his bloodline I'm connected with him I have his I feel like preaching in this church today we have authority he he sat down I love that what's Jesus sitting down for he's done I think some of us are like, Jesus, stand up. Stand, please stand up. Please stand up. Like, this is not going well down here. I don't know if you've been watching, but it is. things are not good. Things are not good. And you know what? They don't seem to be good. So we're not those Christians that turn a deaf ear and a blind eye to what's actually happening. There are some really bad things, and we need to do our part, and we need to stand, and we need to contend. But we do not need to worry. So we need to be activists, and we need to, be, we need to go forward. Stay, but we don't need to stress, because Jesus Jesus sat down. It was interesting in creation, in the beginning, Genesis, God is creating, right? And in the beginning, I don't know if you know this or not, but all of the Trinity is there in the beginning. God is there, and the Holy Spirit is there. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit in the book of Genesis as the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, all the way in Genesis, and it says, and God spoke. That word is Jesus. John chapter 1, it says, and the word took on flesh. John chapter 1, he took on flesh. So the, what, everything God spoke was Jesus. He didn't have a name in Genesis, he was just the word. But in John chapter 1, it says, that word took on flesh. He was born from Mary. Now it's, it's Jesus, which means God saves. Right? So now this, God is creating. The Trinity is there. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. God says, it's good. And then it says, and he rested. Or in other words, he sat down. And he didn't rest until it was done. It didn't take, didn't take nine days or ten days. He didn't say, I'll pick it up next week. He said, in sixth day is done. And he sat down. In the same way, it is a type and shadow of Jesus' work on the cross. Because when Jesus was done, he'd been killed. He died. He gave up his life. He was buried. He was resurrected. He ascended. He went to heaven. And he sat down. He rested. Now the Bible says he sits at the right hand of God interceding for me and for you. Jesus, our warrior. Jesus, our warrior. I don't know if it grips you like the same way that it grips me when I begin to talk about it and really think about it, but, but Jesus came, as the Bible teaches, as a ransom for many. That, that when he, when he spilt his blood, it wasn't that the enemy, like, stole his life. In fact, John teaches us this. Jesus says... No one takes my, that's just like, that's the baddest warrior phrase of all time. He says, nobody takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down. It's the greatest mic drop moment. And Jesus like, whoa, 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 whoa. You thought you'd take this life? Nah. If I wanted to keep my life, I'd keep it. I willingly, because he was a man. On, God is not making, can I just help somebody for a second? God didn't made, made a mistake in your life. You, you're looking, you're, can you imagine this, imagine this, Hosanna, Hosanna. Do you know why they were so excited that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem? Not because they knew he was going to be crucified. They were celebrating him coming into Jerusalem because they thought he was going to overthrow the Roman government. And so when he came in, they're like, we got political problems, Jesus. He comes in on a donkey. That would have been my first concern. I <laughs> just, stallion, oh baby. Tank, uh, He comes in, you know. <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, Hosanna, Let's take him. I, I would have been concerned right then. <laughs> comes in when Jesus doesn't work the way that he thought they thought He was going to work, the same people that cried, "Hosanna," begin to cry, "Crucify." The same voices that celebrated him, now wanted to kill him. And I think it's a caution to each of us that when life doesn't go the way that we think it should go, or that God doesn't work in the ways that we think he should work, that we're careful that the same words, our same voices, our same breath that once said, Hosanna, don't now say, crucify. I would imagine that the people were a little bit concerned when all of a sudden Jesus comes in on the donkey, right, and then he gets arrested. Headline news: Jesus, carpenter's son, arrested, condemned to die. Now I'm, I'd imagine they're freaking out, like, "Whoa, whoa! This is—I I didn't see it going this way. Maybe it's an inside job. I like—is this—is this—is this, is this, is this his plan? Is this a strategy? What's happening? And then he—then he's—then he's killed. He's crucified, right? Can you? Can you we read it knowing the end result. They're living it, and they're, they're thought to be Messiah, thought to be Savior, is dead. The Bible says the sky went dark. There's an earthquake, it goes black. They're like, whoa, we messed this one up. This is, this is bad. This is bad. Things are getting worse. You ever felt like things are getting worse? And God, meanwhile, is like, whew, Here we go. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Devil, you have overplayed your hand. We talked about it a couple couple Easter's ago, the silence of Saturday. Jesus is crucified on Friday. On Saturday, nobody talks about Saturday. It's quiet. Nobody's talking, nobody's praying, nobody's breathing, everybody's freaking out, running, scattered. They don't know what's happening. Meanwhile, Jesus is working. God's working. There's been, no, there's been no audible to the plan. It was his plan all along to work this way. Can I just encourage you that in the darkest of times, in the darkest of nights, I don't know why bad things happen. I don't know why some things happen this way or happen this way or don't happen that way. All I know is God is never caught off guard and he's working behind the scenes and right when you think your hopes have been crucified and right when you think your saving might have been assassinated, God's working in the background. He's working for your behalf. He's working on your behalf. Jesus raised from the dead. Some people see him. After he's raised from the dead, he ascends, which I don't know why we don't talk about that more. How crazy is that? Jesus is like, mm, you know, it's like, wow. Or like people, if you read this, people came out of their graves. When Jesus was resurrected, people like coming out of their, that's the original walking dead, that's crazy. That's scary stuff. People don't... That's in there. I know. It's crazy. He ascends and he sits down at the right hand of God. I don't know who this is for. I feel like this is like a prophetic word for somebody. God is not wringing his hands about your condition. And this is not to discourage you, but he's actually sitting. Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. It's finished. It's done. Which means on your worst of days, it didn't get Jesus to stand up and be like, oh, that's too far. We got we to go do this again. One sacrifice, one time for all humanity. That's Jesus, our warrior. Jesus, our warrior.